Uh, turn with me to Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. I want to speak this morning. I'll bring it. I'm going to keep it where we're not too long this morning, especially with the weather conditions. And I'll do part two in the Lord's will next Sunday morning. Uh, in his will, we'll do part two. But we want to look at definite good out of seeming evil. Definite good out of seeming evil. Psalm 119, please, beginning to read from verse 65. Verse 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Keep your Bible open there. Let us pray. Father, in such a a day we thank you for this multitude that you have brought out this morning. Encourage them this morning. Convict our hearts this morning. And convince us, Lord, of thy word this morning. Lord, that even in times which are seemingly evil, you're still in complete, full control. You are sovereign over all things and in full authority. Lord, speak to our hearts and deal with us as you seem fit to do. Bless those who can't be with us this morning who are the second body. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would touch them and help them at this time. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would now help us around thy word. and Glorify your Son. Bless those who are watching this morning live or if they watch later. And encourage them. And teach us your word, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. You know, if you turn with me, keep Psalm 119 there, your finger or mark it, and turn with me to the book of Romans, please. Romans, and we just want to lift out a little verse or two here. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's read two or three verses. Verse 26, please. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. This is the Holy Spirit. He helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, capital S, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Maybe you're going through this trial this morning. Maybe you're being tested recently. 
you're going through a season or a period and you're wondering what next. Well, the Holy Spirit, Christian, who lives in you, he, even when you don't know what to pray with your groanings and your utterings, he makes intercession unto God for you. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Notice, the mind of God or the mind of the Spirit. He knows the mind of the Spirit. So the groanings and the utterings of the Spirit, when you don't know what to say or pray or do, and when he makes them for you, God knows the mind of the Spirit of God. He knows his own mind. And notice, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Not the will of the person going through the trial. Not the will of the man or woman going through the trouble who are struggling with something mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it may be. Not according to your will or mine, but God knows the will of his own will or the will of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, even with groanings and utterings, makes intercession to the Father for you according to his will. Verse 28. And we know. Here's a place we need to get in time of need. And we know. Here's a place you need to get and I need to get in time. And pardon the word for the weather outside of storm in your life. When the wind blows high and you don't know what to do, when you're hurting, when you're disappointed, when you're disillusioned, when you don't know what to do. And we know. And it comes into the idea that we know by experience and through experience. We know through the experiences we've come before that God will never fail us nor let us down. We know through experience that God is with us in these times of trouble and trial. We know God is still on the throne. We know God is still sovereign. We know God is in control. We know that he's still the master of the wind and the waves. We know that he's still the master of the, wind, of, of the seas. So whatever the trouble may be in your life, God is still in charge. And we must know that. I'm going through this, Lord, and it's difficult. I'm going through this and it's hard. I'm going through this and I'm weak and I'm weary. I'm going through this, Lord, and my mind is everywhere. I'm depressed. I'm dejected. I don't know what to do or how to deal with this. Lord has gotten on top of me. Lord, my body is sick. I, the doctors have given me a, an evil report or a bad report. Or, Lord, I haven't been healed the way I thought I should. Lord, I'm going through this and I'm heartbroken. Uh, things haven't turned out the way I hoped or thought they would have done. Lord, I'm going through this and I don't know how to get the next step, let alone the next day or the next week, month or year. Lord, I've come through such a time, a season, a period of hurt. Lord, I'm in mourning. My heart is in my boots. My spirit is so dejected. Lord, what do I do? Well, brothers and sisters, we have to get to the place that we know that he is still in control. That we know that he is on the throne. That we know that he who helped before will help again. He, we must come to the place where we know that he who moved in places and areas and circles and times in our life when we thought we were beat, we were down, we were done, we were nothing. 
that he is the one who came and lifted up our heads. He's the one who came and strengthened our spirits. He's the one who came and touched us in our body. He's the one who came and changed the evil report against us. He's the one who came and has blessed us abundantly when we had nothing. That we must know that in all things God works together for the good. Brothers and sisters, your God is working on your behalf. Your Savior is still the Savior. And the Holy Spirit, he is still making intercession for you. Will you praise the Lord and say amen this morning? And we know, we know by experience. We know because God has come through before. We know that he will work in that evil, in that hurt, in that time. We know, and it's so long, Lord. It's so difficult, Lord. I can't get rid of this, Lord. It's really getting to me, Lord. And the Lord says, you need to know that I'm doing something for you. And I'm doing something with you. And I'm doing something in you. So, brothers and sisters, we must get to the place and the point where we know by experience of past that God has always been on our side because he has loved us from before the foundation of the world and hence he sent his only begotten son to die for us at Calvary. Now if God was to leave you now, where is the power of the cross? God will never leave you and neither will he forsake you. And he says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or unto the end of the age. So brothers and sisters this morning, to know That is, in our hearts, to know in our minds, to know without doubtings, to know not in who we are, not in our ability or capability, not in our strength or our doings, not in us, but in him is our strength. And we know that he is working for our good. Now, brothers and sisters, this morning, we want to look at definite good coming out of our Definite good out of seeming evil. Definite good out of seeming evil. The seeming evil that you're in. You see, why I wrote seeming, it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. Because to you it seems evil and that's all you can see. To you it seems difficult and hard. You cannot defeat nor overcome it. And so it's an evil. Whatever that may be, it's seeming because God steps in when we think God is nowhere to be found. And the thing is, when we come to a place of knowledge, when we come to the place of knowledge that he is with us, that he is working in us, when we come to that place, we realize that he was there all the time. He was there all the time. It's like the old course, he's there all the time waiting patiently in line. He's there in the shadows. He's there in the places of the valleys. He's there when you're facing the giant. He's there when the great walls won't come tumbling down. He's there. And you and I must get to the place, the point in time in our lives when we realize, and I know, someone else can know, and the person beside you can know, And the person in front of you can know. The person behind you can know. 
And but you personally must get to the place where I know that all things, even the seeming evil, all things work together for the good. To them that love God. To them that are the call according to his purpose. So the Holy Spirit is making intercession for us according to his will. Listen, not our will. Your will or my will, according to his will. And in the sovereignty of God, he's working all things out for the good, according to my purpose, no. Your purpose, no. But to his purpose. And in this is to bring us a greater revelation of God. A greater knowledge of his word. It's to bring us into a closer walk with him. Into deeper fellowship and union with God. It's to show us that our God, He is still Lord over all. And hence, when we come through these, and look, and they're not easy. They're very difficult. Some are horrendous. I understand that. Some of you wonder, how can God bring good out of this evil? How can God work any good out of the loss of a loved one and you're heartbroken? I get it. I understand it. I've been there. I understand. And how can God work something good out of this friend, brother, sister? I don't know. I really don't know how he does it, but I know he does. Something good always comes out of the seeming evil. God works these things out according to his own will, and he works them out for his own purpose. And you and I need to get to the place and point where I know, Lord, all of this time, all of this season, all of this sickness, all of this hurt, everything we have been through, Lord, I know that you're still working for me. You're still going before me. You're still doing something in it and through it. And listen, we must get to the place, and this is difficult, where we are yielded. That's the hard bit, where we are yielded where we are not glorying in what's happening for it's difficult and it's hard and it's hurtful. It's terrible. We're not denying that. But we are yielded to his will. Then, Lord, since you're sovereign, I give you glory for what you're doing in me. I give you glory for the work you're doing in me. And even chastening, the chastening rod of God, We are to give thanks because God could have let us go on. God could have let us walk away. God could have let us drift on forever. And we would have been so far away from God, possibly even in the world, dead in spirit and heart and mind. We could have been all of that, brothers and sisters. But thank God for his chastening rod where he comes and he says, get back in the line, son. Get back in the line, daughter. And thank God that the Father says you are his son. And thank God that the Father says you are his daughter. God loves you this morning. Even though I'm going through this, yes. God loves you this morning. Do you know that? Do you know that he loves you? But why would he love me? I don't know why he loves me, so I'm not going to try and work out why he loves you. All I know is that he loves me. But I don't know why. Except for he chose to. He decided to. 
and he will not lift his love from me or you. In the, the psalm of Psalm 119, and as I say, well, we're going to look at this uh, briefly this morning and then we'll, we'll go further. We'll go further, God willing, next week. But there are three little verses and we want to look at them and then I'm going to show you something else. Uh, for example, in uh, Psalm 119 and in verse, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 67. Verse 67, the psalmist says, Before... I was afflicted. I went astray. Notice, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, but now, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. So notice this. This is before affliction. Our hearts go astray. Then if you will, let your eye run on down, please. And go down to verse 71. Notice the heart, the yielded spirit after learning through this trial. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, David says. Brothers and sisters, who wants to say that this morning? It's good that this has happened. I don't for one. But when we're yielded to see the glory of God and the exaltation of Christ and being brought further into fellowship with him and we understand more of his glory, then the weight of that trouble and trial is nothing compared, as Paul says, to the weight of the glory of God. And hence we should and we could get to the point to say, it is good for me that you afflicted me. Thank you for your chastening rod, Lord. Because if you hadn't have chastened me, I, I, I don't think of where I would have been. Pastors, God chastened you before? All the time. All the time. But I thank him that he chastens me because then I know I'm a son. I know I'm his child. God doesn't chase those who are not his. And the psalmist says, it's good for me that I have been afflicted. Notice that I may learn thy statutes. Here, he has learned going through his affliction. He has learned going through his affliction. And the thing is, brothers and sisters, this morning, what are you learning and what you're going through. Because all we see at times, all we know at times, are the things that are hurting us, the things that are difficult to us. But what are you? Start looking for what is God doing? What is God doing with you in this? What is God doing as you're going through this? And what am I learning in the midst of all of this? Because when we come out, and things are relieved, and things are relaxed, and things have gotten better. Do we not start to praise the Lord and lift our hands again just because it's better? Can you imagine what it would be like if we were able to praise God before we went into the affliction and praise Him 
through the affliction and then praise him as we come out of it. Now listen, I'm speaking to me here. Because none of us like it. But on the very night when our Lord was betrayed, when he would be crucified, that very night he sang the great Hallel. Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. And in the upper room, breaking bread as we broke this morning bread and drinking the cup of wine and passing it around to, to represent his body and his blood that would be broken in Calvary. He's singing this. Do you know what one of the verses are throughout the great Hallel? He's going to Calvary. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be crucified. Nails in his hands and his feet and a ribbon side. A crown of thorns driven into his brow. He's going to be mocked and he's going to be scorned and laughed at and ridiculed. He's going to be hung between heaven and earth, between two thieves, naked for all the world to see. Do you know what he sang? This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's what he sang. That's what your Savior sang. That's what the glorious Christ sang. Oh, all of this looming in front of him. The weight of our sin, the wrath of the Father on him. Which was your place and mine. Yet he sings, this is the day. Away in eternity past. Away in eternity past. Prophesied in the 70th week of Daniel. Cutting off in the midst of the week. Finishing the transgressions. This is the day, he cries. This is it, boys. Disciples, this is it. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm as guilty as this as anyone else. So I'm not talking uh, to anyone in particular this morning. But we would get a day and it's raining or it's like it is outside today. And we're coming and, oh, oh, it's not a, oh, it's a terrible day. That's, that's a rotten day. It's an awful day. And somebody hyper-spiritual for a moment like me, maybe on the inside, goes, listen, this is a day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's not what we do. But that's not what it is. It was Calvary from eternity to Calvary for you and for me. Now, if we got to a place like that, the psalmist is saying, after post-affliction, post-hurt, post-mourning, the loss of his son, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, he cries, even though Absalom was wicked and chased his daddy off the throne, and hunted him down like a, like a wild animal. Yet his love for him, when Absalom died, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, he cries. He wasn't praising God at that point. Or when he and Bathsheba lost their little baby. When the baby died, then he turns and says, he shall not come to me, but I can go to him. Brothers and sisters, we're all the same. Christ said, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And hence, 
He says in verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better. Is but not the same, not equal to, than thousands, notice, of gold or silver. Thousands. Now, there's a little verse that we didn't read this morning. And I want you to look at it, if you will. Verse 75. Verse 75. Notice what he says. I know. What did Paul say? And we know. Now he's saying, this is post. This is everything now. He's relieved. The definite good has come out of a seeming evil. And he says, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right. Listen, I say this in the grace of God, and I mean it from sometimes in things that I've been through in my life, and maybe you've been through or going through, and it's so difficult and hard. I understand that. I get it. I really do. Some of your trials, I wouldn't want them. And I'm sure you wouldn't want some of mine. But nevertheless, we, we go through them. But if you look at what he says, I know, Paul says, we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But notice what he says. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right. And some people say, you know what? I fell out with God for what he's done. I'm not walking with God anymore. Why? What happened to you? I fell out with him because it didn't get me answered prayer. I fell out with God because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. I fell out with him because my heart is is broken because I thought. And listen, we're all like that at times where our hearts are broken because of something else. I understand that. But here he's saying, Lord, your decisions, your word, your judgments are right. You know what? That, that can be sort of fearful at times. That can be fearful at times. It can be fearful because to admit that God's judgments have been right and your heart is broken. That God's decisions have been final and right. And, and your, your heart is in your boots and you can hardly lift yourself up as it were. And your spirit is wayward. And your mind is everywhere. But to say, Lord, your judgments are right. Everything that your word says is right. Your law is right. Your commandments are right. Your statutes are right. And how you have dealt with me, that's what it means. Your dealings with me. Your dealings with me are right. Notice what he says. I know, O Lord, thy judgments are right, and that in faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. Notice, in faithfulness. What I'm going through is the faithfulness of God. Now you, 
I want somebody or all of us to get this. Maybe you're in the middle of something. You can't get it. And you don't understand it. And I understand it's even hard to pray at times. That's why we start with Romans 8 and uh, moving into verse 27, 28, 26, 27, 28. I understand that. But notice what, notice what he's saying here. I know, O oh Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thy in faithfulness hath afflicted me. Who wants to say, Lord, thank you for the affliction? I know there are many charismatic circles. God's a big, good daddy that doesn't do anything like that. Brothers and sisters, he's almighty God. He's sovereign and he's holy. And he says here, that thy and thy faithfulness hath afflicted me. Lord, what I've been through, you allowing, or even sending. Sometimes God allows things in what people call his permissive will. He permits things to happen. He permits things to come. But you have been faithful to me in allowing those people to slander me. In your faithfulness, Lord, you have allowed this hurt to come to me. And you and I see everything the opposite. God, where's your faithfulness? Where's your faithfulness, Lord? You're not being really faithful because here's my heart's desire. And could it be that God is just saying to you, I'm bringing you into my will, into my plan, for my purpose. And I want to give you my heart's desire for you. So, the psalmist gets to the place where he can say, that thy and thy faithfulness has afflicted me. Um, I'm not saying all sickness is off the devil, all this sort of stuff, and God's that good, or, you know, that he shouldn't allow everything or anything to happen. Listen, nobody wants these things, neither do I. But what I'm saying is this. It's how we deal with these things as we traverse this world. It's what we think in our own walk and understanding, in our own spirit and mind with God. God must have forgotten me. God must have left me. God must be angry with me. God mustn't love me anymore. For that's what a lot of charismatic circles will tell you. If all of this is happening to you, then maybe God just does not love you and you're out of favor with God. Nonsense! It's nonsense! When God set his love on you from before the foundation of the world, when God in eternity past gave you to his Son, Nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Brothers and sisters, we find here that the psalmist has got to a place, he says, I I know more than I knew before. Forgive me for my much shouting this morning. I'm trying to keep my voice up and it's nearly away already over this wind. The psalmist is saying, I know more than I knew before this. 
I'm better even in my life. I'm better in my home. I'm better in my family. I'm better with... I have learned through this situation. And God didn't say, then off you go and don't bother me again. But God in his faithfulness hath put the chastening rod, uh, the shepherd's crook as it were, around the sheep's neck and drawn him back onto himself. And for that, we thank you, Lord. For you and I could stray so easily, walk away so handily, and be lost so eternally. Now, I'm going to round this up to close it this morning. Let you just get away home. Here in the Lord's will is where I will start next week. Look at our first verse. Verse 65 of our reading, I should say. The first verse of our reading. Verse 65 of Psalm 119. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. According to thy word. The psalmist is saying, Lord, I want to talk about my affliction here. To sing praise unto you. Because before I was afflicted, I, went, I would have gone astray. Let this be, a, if I can call it, an admonition this morning. In case you don't know what an admonition is, it's a gentle rebuke. Or if you want, it's a little push in the right direction this morning. If God has been speaking to you, this is the way walk ye in it. Here you must trust. Here you must clean up. Here you must hand over to me. Here it is. And you find yourself walking astray. Walking away from the place you were with in God. With him. Before it gets to the place of affliction to bring you back again. You know, Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, all men are like pigs. They must be putting their back in order to get them to look up. Don't have God put you on your back, brother, in order for you to look up. Don't have God put you on your back, sister, in order for you to look up. But rather, get back before. And realize he's dealt well with you. So in your Bible... In verse 65, just at the beginning of it, there's a little letter there, a little word, tet. See it? Tet. I'm not going to go into this because I'm going to start here next Lord's Day morning, God willing. The word tet is the ninth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 is Aleph is the first. That's where we get Alpha from in the Greek. Uh, and then you have Tov or Tav in the very last 22nd letter. That would be the Alpha and the Omega, as it were, in the Greek. Only there's 24 letters in the Greek. 22 in the Hebrew, of course, we have 26. So the... Uh, 
A to Z, if you're an American watching later, the Z. But it's A to Z, A to Z. So there's 26 in the English, 22 in the Hebrew, 24 in the Greek. And this little letter, Tet, is the ninth letter out of the 22. For example, Aleph is the first letter, and Bet is, Bet, not Tet, Bet is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And that's where you get your, your words, alphabet. Can you see it? And of course it goes into the Greek, alpha, beta, gamma, and so on. Alphabet in our English. But notice this, this little word, tet, is the ninth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And it starts off with this, Lord, you've dealt well with me. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. And then it's good for me that I've been afflicted. And then, of course, that's all in the verses that we read this morning. The next, or the third one which we had read from, from Psalm 119 and verse 75. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that in faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. If you notice, it's into a different group of verses. There's eight verses in every little group there. Eight verses are called a stanza. These eight verses are called a stanza. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Each letter has eight verses. So there's 22 stanzas in this Hebrew alphabet. Tet is the ninth where we get these two verses, especially speaking of God's affliction. The third one that he says in verse 75 is in another stanza. It's the tenth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it's the word yod. Yod. And you'll notice here it starts off another eight verses. And it is in yod. Now I'm going to go into this more detail next week. So this is where I'll stop. Let the children know they can come up, please. For example, in the Tetragrammaton is God's name uh, in, in, in the Hebrew for Yahweh. God's name was too um, holy, as it were, and revered in ancient Israel to be able to mention his name. And hence, we have, we have found that YHWH in our English letter, YHWH is for Yahweh. There are no vowels in the Hebrew, so there's no vowels there. So in our English, we put vowels in to spell, you know, the full Yahweh with the vowels in it. And here's what I'm saying. The first letter there is Yod in the name of the Lord, as in Yahweh. And it's yod he vad yod he vad So the first letter of Yahweh is Yod. It is the tenth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The Tet is the ninth letter. And here's the thing. When we look at the affliction, for I, went ast- I was afflicted, I went astray. Then it is good to me have been afflicted. Here, the second word is all under the ninth letter. Here's what I want you to see now. All under the ninth letter. Seeming evil of affliction. God's afflicted me. Seeming evil it is. By the time we get to the tenth letter, the number ten and the number nine mean something. I'll do it next week, God willing. 
Time to get to the 10th letter. He starts to praise God. And he says, I know, Lord, thy judgments are right, and that thy unfaithfulness has afflicted me. Release comes. Relief comes. He's no longer enslaved by the thought that God doesn't love him, that God's against him. But he realizes, oh my God, you're right and you love me. By the tenth one. Into the tenth stanza. And so the music would have been singing these and swelling up. And by this time, a crescendo of praise is coming, for he's come through the affliction, and he's realized God's been in it, and he's realized God has taught him in it. And now he's going, oh, Lord, I know your judgments are right. Now I see. Now I understand. Now I'm relieved. Now I'm released. Now I am free. Now I know I am yours. And next week we're going to look 9 into 10. The two numbers are very important because there is a definite good in the 10th letter which was brought out of the seeming evil of the 9th letter or the 9th stanza. And you'll see the prayers coming forth in the Lord's will next week. So may God bless us this morning. Can't do normal the noise of the tent. I'm sorry about that. If I could, I would, but I can't do any more with the noise of the tent. Listen, if you're able, come out tonight down to the building. And that's why we're there tonight, because it's to get worse than this. And if the tent's here next week, <laughs> if the tent's still here next week, we'll do part two. If the tent's not here next week, we'll be looking for somewhere to rent, okay? <laughs> we're not going to be not to having our meetings. So anyway, we'll, we'll trust God that we'll still have our, our place of worship next week. May God bless you this morning for your attention, your attendance, and for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. You ask Billy and the team all to come up, and they're going to close and lead us in praise as we go home and receive the Lord's offering. Thank you.